come up on the screen. We're going to read Acts chapter 7, starting at verse 44. And this is Stephen speaking, just before the famous time where he's then stoned um, uh, with rocks. Just in case you're wondering. (laughs) Hashtag awkward. Right, here we go. Acts chapter 7, starting at verse 44. This is Stephen speaking. Our ancestors had the tabernacle of the covenant law with them in the wilderness. It had been made as God directed Moses, according to the pattern he'd seen. After receiving the tabernacle, our ancestors under Joshua brought it with them when they took the land from the nations God drove out before them. It remained in the land until the time of David, who enjoyed God's favor and asked that he might provide a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. However, the Most High doesn't live in houses made by human hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You're just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors didn't persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you've betrayed and murdered him. You who've received the law that was given through angels but have not obeyed it. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven, saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Let's pray together as Judy comes. Father, we thank you for the Bible. And Lord, we thank you that you are the God who speaks today as we read it. And Lord, we pray that you'd speak through Judy now. Lord, would we listen carefully to what you have to say through her? And would we then respond as well? Holy Spirit, we welcome you and invite you to be our teacher now, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. I don't know when you hear stories from the persecuted church, if you have indeed heard stories, and certainly over the last few weeks, we've been sharing some of those stories. What the reaction is in our hearts. Are we dwarfed by the kind of incredible superhero faith of our brothers and sisters and think, oh, I could never be like that? Or does something rise in us that actually says we can be like that? We can risk it all for God because he is faithful. And something had got into these early disciples that had convinced them so much that they were prepared to risk life and limb like never before. Here we have Stephen facing the Sanhedrin in the very temple that he's opposing, if you like, or at least trying to broaden out. He's speaking in the place to the people who control the temple and saying, you've killed God. That's a very, very brave and very, very bold guy. 
but a guy filled with the Spirit, as we read in the book of Acts. I'm just going to share a a little video that someone sent me at Christmas, uh, mainly because of my love of penguins. One of my favourite bits of that little clip, which does make me very happy, is um, the reaction of the other penguins, slightly looking to one side. You know, he's letting the whole side down. He's gone a little bit fanatical here about something. Uh, I don't know what had got into that penguin, incidentally, if anyone has any uh, information on that. It was at Edinburgh Zoo, so maybe a bit of iron brew I don't know but something got into him and so much so that there's a liberation to him there's a standing out that if you'll forgive the tenuous link as we come back to the passage God is calling each of us to do he's not calling us to be fanatical he's calling us to be devoted and sometimes that can look very different to how we might think sometimes it's keeping our silence sometimes it might be speaking out But with the early apostles, they had had over 500 appearances of the risen Jesus. They were convinced of it. And not only were they convinced of him rising from the dead and conquering death, they were convinced that there was a heaven beyond this, a heaven beyond this world. If you'd like, they were living for another world. And that, for me, is challenging. I've shared this before, I'm a very immediate person, I live in the day, it helps me enormously with anxieties and all sorts of things because I live for the day, but it doesn't always help me keep that powerful vision of heaven that actually informs everything we do. As Andy prayed uh, earlier on, to set this community on fire with passion for Jesus, already we're passionate But Stephen is talking about the fact that the temple cannot contain the power of God. That the temple now lives in human hearts rather than in places made by human hands. Somebody tweeted this photo just uh, in early January and uh, the tweet by it said, here's my dog teaching me to be a pioneer. My dog teaching me to be a pioneer. The dog is uh, right in the distance there, uh, but you see his footprints in the snow. And there are three ways that I kind of approach that photo. One is that actually the dog has gone ahead of the guy. He's broken the fragile snow, if you like, and he's gone through it. The second is that actually he will follow in those steps. There are steps already for him to put his feet into. And the fact that actually a reminder that that snow was once completely virgin snow and a pioneer is called to put new prints into the sand. And every one of us, if we're believers in Jesus this morning and maybe even if we're not, are called, I think, to be pioneers because our world's in a mess. There's no doubt about that. Our world seems increasingly dark. But actually, every one of us has steps to take this year, steps of courage, steps of bravery, steps where maybe we have never trod that path before, but God already has. He already has. What an amazing thing at the start of the new year for us to be pioneers for the city of Birmingham, for us to be not only praying for miracles in Birmingham, but seeing them happen all around us, as we did last year and we believe for more this year. In Acts 7, uh, verse 48, we hear Stephen say these words, The Most High does not live in houses made by human hands. So he's saying to the people in the temple, God doesn't just live here anymore. People had boxed him in. 
They had a temple, they had an inner sanctum, they had a holy of holies where only the high priest could enter. Somebody talks about if you wanted to write to God, you had to sort of write care of the holy of holies. That actually prayer felt like that, sending a letter with lots of different care of the temple, care of the holy of holies, care of the high priest to get access. And now we can just send up a prayer and we know that actually he is with us. Why? Because he's broken out of the temple. Now you might say to me, Judy, we know all this. We know he's with us. We're people of prayer. We know that he's with us in our workplaces, in our streets, in our families. But I would challenge you as I challenge myself, have we boxed him in again and rebuilt the temple with human hands because it's very easy to do have we put a wall up is there a wall in our lives today and they'll be different for all of us have we put a wall there of disappointment have we put a wall there of not wanting him to take over our workplace Maybe there's a room in our house that we haven't yet given him. When I was a new Christian at the age of 19, I wrote a poem on reflection. I think it was a pretty bad poem, but I was quite pleased with it at the time. Uh, But one of the things I said was actually, you can have your own room in my house, Lord. In my naivety, I thought that was all he wanted. I thought, big up me, you know, here I am giving him a room. And then at the end of the poem, I say, Master, come in, control every room. Dispel from this house all these patches of gloom. See what I did there with a little rhyme. Um, It really was that bad. But I still wanted to box him in. Now, that was when I was 19, but I know I can still do that now with my job even. Well, that's work, that's God, that's here, and this is there. One of the reasons for joining my book club, as some of you know, which I'm enjoying so much, is just to be out there meeting people where I live and hearing their stories. And for you, there'll be different walls, shyness. You know, you might know that uh, my family um, prayed for me for many, many wayward years, and my sister prayed faith for me for every day, for years, from the age of 13 till I became a Christian at 19. And yet, as a family, we have not prayed out loud. Once when my mum died, and now with my dad for the first time because he's needed our prayers and we've broken through that barrier and this very weekend I prayed out loud with my sister now you might think well that's normal it is not normal for our family it is awkward (laughs) it feels awkward even praying for my sister is like my best friend I said should we pray before we go into hospital And, and it just feels awkward because I've built a wall that says that's family we don't do that sort of thing around here And there will be resonance for many of us that we have built a wall that God today, by the power of his spirit, can bring down. He can give us this boldness that the early church were experiencing. He can give us that power. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the fact that it wasn't a group of brilliant people in the Acts of the Apostles. Thank the Lord it wasn't. It was a group of ramshackle mistake makers, get it wrong, being weak. And suddenly what happens? You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses there's a naturalness to this that doesn't make us fanatical like a penguin running around madly but it does put a power in us and a confidence and a boldness in us that says the light shines in the darkness and you will never put us out you will never silence us and more and more as I shared I think last time I was here we are being asked to be quiet about our faith in our workplaces, in our schools. It's not the same climate that even when I was in teaching about 15 years ago. It's a very different climate now. And we need to risk it. 
You know, it, it occurs to me, I've read many stories from Open Doors and uh, Release International for who I'm an ambassador. And uh, when I read the stories, it makes me think, how did they find that courage at gunpoint to say, I still believe in Jesus? And I ask myself many times, what would I do? Do you do that? Yeah, so we think, what would we do? Because there's a bit of a coward in me that thinks, do you know what, I'm not sure I would. But the reason that we can really take confidence from this passage is I think Stephen would have said the same. Because without the power of the Holy Spirit, we are fragile, messed up, faltering people. But with his power in us, we are bold, fearless people who will not bow down. So take courage from this passage, I certainly do, that we will be filled, we will be his witnesses, and then it's kind of we can't help but actually witness. As Stephen faces his death, we read in, uh, in verse 50, 56, Lord, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. That as he testifies, as he says that actually God has broken out of the temple, that his power is with us, he actually sees a manifestation, if you like, of that very power. He sees a vision of heaven that gives him so much confidence to stand. And what do the people do if you look at the next verse? They cover their ears because this is just, you know, they cannot believe that actually as, as Stephen speaks out, it's okay. I see heaven. I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. They don't want to hear it. And there will be people in our lives, people that we're trying to speak to, trying to perhaps bring about justice in situations in our city, and we need that. People who we're trying to be advocates for. And the ears are covered and we need to pray for ears to be unstopped, I believe, for people to start listening to the cries of justice that he's put in many of us to actually speak out and speak up. Um, we've been reading quite a few interviews uh, over the course of this uh, series on dangerous faith. And one of them uh, was from a guy called Roy who was interviewing a, a Chinese governor of a province who had shut down Christmas. This whole province of China had said Christmas is not allowed, nativity is not allowed, you will not have it. And the interviewer asks the uh, governor of the province why they have done this. And they've said because God is only manageable if we keep him in the temple. We can only manage God. We don't want him breaking out into Christmas celebrations or into schools or into homes. We want to manage God. And we might see that in a critical way, but again, fingers point back to me to think, do I want to manage God? Is God actually leading my life or am I sometimes telling him what it is I think he should do? In our prayer life, are we letting him out of the temple are we listening as we come to sanctuary tonight? Are we listening to the voice of God perhaps before we speak to hear what his will is for our lives? His heart is for each of us. And I wonder as we come to a time of response and as we, um, are we having communion together in a moment, if we can actually pause and think, what is that wall that we have constructed? Have we kept him to Sunday? Have we moved him out into every room but one? Maybe there's one room in your house where you know he doesn't yet live. Maybe it's in what you're watching on your videos or on your laptop, on your computer, and his spirit doesn't live there. His spirit has been offended, maybe. 
be by that. Maybe it's in the kitchen with our eating. Maybe it's with our drinking. We don't know. There'll be different ones for all of us. Maybe it's just that perhaps we're just watching too much rubbish television. I don't know. But there will be a room where we can just pray for his presence, pray for his challenge, pray for a wall to come down. And as that wall comes down, like Stephen, we can find a faithful God and maybe an even closer vision of the heaven that we're living for. So let's just be quiet for a couple of minutes uh, because we are gonna take communion together and it's a time to just confess where that wall might be. Or maybe we've limited God and said, you can't do that, Lord. C.S. Lewis, uh, in his Narnia Chronicles, talks about Aslan. And he, ta- he says, no, he is not safe, but he is good. He is the lion and the lamb. He is the one that actually has all power in that situation you've just prayed about, where we might have limited his power. He is an all-powerful God. And uh, I mentioned that we um, have been reading stories, and I've been particularly uh, impacted by stories from North Korea. Some of you know that I was due to to travel to Korea last uh, year, and since then, although the the journey was stopped, I found a real passion in me to pray and a real inspiration about just the very darkness of that as it hits our headlines day after day, and there'll be many different countries that God has put on our hearts. But there's also persecution here. You know, in Romania, as somebody was talked about that someone was praying for bread for them, and the, the guy turned around in the bread queue and he said, yes, we pray for bread because, you know, we have so little. But he said, we pray for you in the United Kingdom because you have too much bread. We have too much comfort, too much ease, if you like. But the days are coming when it will be more and more difficult to stand up and stand out. And we need this God that is on the move, this God that is powerful, this God that actually has broken the walls of the temple so that his power lives in us. The power to speak, the power to prepare little appointments in your diary this week even, those and suddenlies where you speak to someone for the first time, where someone even stops you and asks you a question about the faith that you believe in, the faith that you hold. And let's pray for that. Are we up for that? You know, to pray that actually even this week God will surprise us. Um, Let's say this prayer um, that is on the screen and then I'm going to share to finish a story from North Korea uh, about this God, Emmanuel, breaking out in all of our lives. I'll speak and we perhaps echo it in our hearts. Let's just be still. Holy Spirit, we cannot contain you or tame you or keep you within our walls. You can surprise us in where we might find you at work. We are your temple and we take you with us. Forgive us for the times when we try to contain you, tame you, or underestimate all that you can do. We are ready to be surprised and amazed. In Habakkuk, it says, Look at the nations and watch. Be utterly amazed, for I am doing something in your day amongst you that you would not believe even if someone had told you about it. There's something that makes me really feel tingly about that, that actually there's an excitement growing in what he will do for our nation. So this is an account of a woman called Mrs. Bay who had to leave North Korea suddenly with her young family. 
My name is Mrs. Bay, and I am not brave. But I do believe in a living, powerful God. I believe in God, Emmanuel, God with us. God will be our navigator, I told my young son and my teenage pregnant daughter as we packed up our home in North Korea for the very last time. We would leave with just a few possessions, some money for our journey, that was all. My husband, Mr. Bay, had left just a year before us, defecting to China, and that was our destination now. We walked every day, sometimes through snowdrifts that were chest high. We walked. I wondered who I would cry out to with no husband by my side, and I did cry out. I cried out every day to the living God, Emmanuel. God who walked with us. As the risen Lord Jesus walked with his disciples on the road to Emmaus, so our God walked with us as we left our home. As we moved towards China, many, many North Koreans opened up their homes, giving us hospitality, giving us our miracles. And then finally one day, our money ran out. Not enough to pay for a border pass for my young boy, and my pregnant daughter. Not enough to leave in human terms, we had to dive into the ICC, to swim for our lives through freezing cold water. My little boy jumped first. Then, my pregnant daughter, seven months pregnant, jumped into the icy water ahead of me. As she jumped, she cried, Mama, God can be trusted. I followed her. Each of us swimming as we felt fainter and fainter, the dark, impenetrable mountains of North Korea behind us. Shouts, gunshots overhead. Would we make it? Would God stay with us? Would he deliver us? And then suddenly a light, just one at first, then many more ahead of us in the sea. It was the Bay of China. Christmas lights, strings of them, marking out the shoreline that was to be our destination. Christmas. Emmanuel, a reminder, God is with us. He hasn't left us. We make it, each one of us, my daughter, my little boy, and me, safely in the Bay of China. God with us, Emmanuel. Three generations now will live to tell the story of Jesus. Three generations that will stand and testify that God is good, that he is with us, that he is all-powerful. Three generations that will stand up for the generations of the North Korean who have no voice, who will stand up for the goodness of that nation, who will speak out. Because, my friends, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will never put it out.